Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. This segment is brought to you by CommercialAgentSuccess.com for incredible video training for commercial real estate brokers. Check it out at CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Well, we have an incredible show for you again today. We're going to look at the National Association of Realtors Commercial Real Estate Outlook. And uh, first, we're going to talk about really kind of an economic overview because as the economy goes, commercial real estate is obviously impacted. And then in the next segment, we'll talk about commercial real estate itself, both uh, larger properties and take a look at some of the small cap properties as well. Please welcome my guest. It's George Ratu. And George is Director of Housing and Commercial Research with the National Association of Realtors. And he's joining us on Skype. George, thank you for being with us, sir. Certainly, Michael. It's a great pleasure joining you today uh, again. Thank you. And uh, as I mentioned, let's uh, kind of look at the economy. It seems like uh, it's had a kind of a slow growth, but is it a little more uh, elevated now? What do you see for like GDP? It seems like we had a had a jump there, did we? And what do you expect moving forward? Uh, indeed. So uh, we are basically in, in the ninth year of economic expansion. Believe it or not, I know that over the, the last few years, we've talked about the economy a little bit looking over, you know, one shoulder to, to the last uh, recession, wondering how is uh, the economy doing? Are we really growing? Um, so I think this year uh, of, of any of the last nine, we are, we are quite solid in terms of economic performance. Uh, and if you look at the underlying reasons, we've had unprecedented monetary policy, which boosted a lot of this the last nine years. Um, some of that now it's being cut back. The Fed obviously is beginning to raise interest rates, a little concerned about the pace of economic growth. But we also had a tax reform, which uh, restructured corporate taxes at the beginning of this year. So that added a little fuel to the expansion. So GDP for this year was started a little slowly, but by the, the uh, second quarter, we were up 4.2%. Uh, so a very solid performance. And when we look at all components, uh, we see consumer spending has been uh, solid, uh, again, boosted by employment, wages. We also saw business investments uh, finally kick a little stronger into gear. Uh, we see spending on structures, very good for commercial real estate development pickup, um, e equipment, industrial and, and IT. So I would say on balance, uh, GDP is poised even with stock market uh, volatility over the last uh, week and a half or so, is poised to close the year on uh, roughly 3% annual rate uh, growth, which is um, a good solid performance. Okay. So you don't expect the over 4% uh, again? Not unless we have any uh, upside surprises in the, the third and fourth quarter, but based on most uh, indicators that are coming out. So third quarter will, will come out uh, on Friday. Uh, of uh, this week around uh, the 27th. So we'll find out um, uh, what third quarter, at least the advance estimate is. But by most indications, I don't expect anything exceeding three, three and a half percent for the third quarter. Yeah. And you mentioned consumer confidence, which has been really high. And I think, uh, you know, when the stock market's doing well, when our home prices are doing well, you know, as consumers, maybe we have more confidence. What do you expect moving forward there? Well, consumer confidence, as you pointed out, has been strong and, in fact, accelerated over the last year 
as uh, employment numbers and the momentum, more importantly, of hiring uh, remained um, uh, fairly solid. In addition, consumers have finally seen wage increases. With the unemployment down at 3.7%, employers are obviously facing a very tight labor market, so they have been um, increasing their compensation. Uh, so uh, mid part of this year, we finally saw that compensation adjusted for inflation uh, grow at 2.8, 2.7% year over year, which is the strongest uh, pace of growth in, in, in the last decade. So not surprisingly, consumer confidence has accelerated this year. Uh, and frankly, I uh, expect it to continue doing so. I think that going into the, the fourth quarter and uh, what traditionally is the, uh, the holiday season for retailers, this will be a very uh, closely watched metric because a lot is riding obviously during this season on uh, on that confidence but from most uh, indicators of, of consumer spending and, and uh, as I said wages and other things I think consumers remain upbeat about the economy yeah and you mentioned business investment uh, has been strong how strong is it do you expect it to continue to be strong and is this a lot from uh, small businesses mainly or what do you see there so we're seeing investment actually grow uh, for particular things like, for example, equipment. Investment in equipment was up by double digits. Investment in, in structures, traditionally commercial real estate buildings, development was also solid as well as intellectual property uh, and R&D. Uh, so it's, it's pretty much across the board. If you think about the fact that a lot of businesses depend either on, on their own funds for, for expanding their, their business or borrowing, um, they've done quite well. Corporate profits are close to historic highs. Uh, in addition, uh, corporations are sitting on cash uh, that basically is at record highs. So cash on corporate balance sheets is closing in on $3 trillion, which is incredible on one hand. It also tells me that a lot of businesses are still quite cautious about uh, the economic performance and probably more so the outlook over the next uh, two years, given how much uh, cash they have still on their balance sheets. But on overall, I would say between the, the cash availability and the credit, um, which has been uh, quite available over the last uh, few years, um, we're seeing that sort of investment across the board. And George, what do you see for the impact of tariffs so far? Are you seeing maybe the economic indicators adjusting now because of these tariffs or maybe companies investing more, importing more? And, uh, and what do you expect long-term from, from tariffs? Uh, very good question. So from what we've seen so far, tariffs seem to have impacted the cost of, uh, of doing business for several industries, particularly those that are reliant on steels and steel uh, comprised a, a big target for those tariffs. And we've seen that in the construction industry, particularly um, both, I would say, residential, but commercial as well because of steel and lumber, since Canada was was impacted by them, we imported a lot of lumber. But we're also beginning to hear from other manufacturers like uh, Ford, Caterpillar. Uh, again, manufacturers that are heavily dependent on steel are saying that the high cost is, is beginning to impact their production. Uh, in turn, their own costs and, and likely are going to uh, lead to a slowdown in possibly the pace of sales for some of these uh, manufacturers. Um, so obviously, in the long term, the tariffs are likely to have a negative impact in terms of, of uh, economic growth, in part because um, while they will help 
in the short term, domestic producers, um, uh, absolutely. In the longer term, a lot of those costs uh, cannot be absorbed by, uh, by the manufacturers, so they'll have to be passed on to consumers and, and their own customers if they're businesses. So likely that is going to lead to a decline, a slight decline in demand. Yeah, and I guess we can't talk about the economy without talking about housing and, and values of homes. We mentioned it, touched on it before that so I guess you know, when, when our homes are going up in value, maybe we have more confidence. Maybe we use our, our home as a piggy bank and also just the velocity of, of home sales uh, can really impact the economy. Is it really impacting the economy now and, and what do you expect there? Uh, very good point. And in fact, what we're seeing there is a um, sort of a, a tale of two uh, markets. And what I mean by that, folks who own their home and have owned their home for a while have seen, to your point, uh, their equity uh, rise uh, significantly over the last three to five years. So obviously, there was a big loss during the recession, undoubtedly. But during this recovery, values in aggregate of U.S. homes have exceeded the prior peak in 2007. So for those homeowners um, who have been owning their home, um, their equity is uh, at, at record level. So from that standpoint, I think that certainly adds to the level of consumer optimism we're seeing in the market. Conversely, for the other end of the market, meaning the buyers, um, these have been um, also unprecedented times in the sense that um, you look at the price appreciation for homes over the last five years, it has exceeded 40%. So we've seen 40% growth in, in price appreciation over 40 years, 40, uh, four. However, um, on the income side, wages have only grown over the same period by about 15%. Um, so when you add that appreciation and you combine it with increasing mortgage rates, which now are roughly 5%, uh, you see where for a lot of buyers, the affordability uh, situation has worsened. So we're seeing a, a decline in affordability. And moreover, what we're seeing is also a shortage of inventory. Uh, buyer interest is still there. We're seeing buyers still come and uh, look at properties. Um, but sales have declined now for about uh, four months, in part because buyers are, are hitting this wall of not enough homes. So even though they want to buy homes, when you don't have enough properties, it's hard to close uh, a deal. So that, I think, is, is impacting the market right now. We um, are seeing a little bit of pressure on pricing as a result, as, as, as this situation uh, with declining sales, we expect the, the prices to actually moderate. They're still growing, but at a slower rate. So it'll be interesting to see what the next few months uh, have in store, in part because traditionally winter tends to be a slower time of the year. But as I mentioned, on balance, um, the, the market remains, um, I would say, fairly level. Yeah, well, it's interesting. You know, you, you talk about home values going up, uh, interest rates rising, you know, tariffs rising, increasing some cost of things. So what might we expect for inflation moving forward and then corresponding interest rate increases? Absolutely. I think that inflation is um, going to move up. So it's already been rising this year uh, strong enough, strongly enough that uh, the Federal Reserve is obviously taking notice and um, is moved to increase rates. And not only that, but as you notice, they, they've, they're using their forward guidance, what they call forward guidance, to sort of telegraph their intent uh, to markets going forward. And they've been quite clear about the fact that their view of the economy is positive enough that they expect to continue increasing the short-term uh, rate 
uh, we expect likely the December meeting to come with another rate increase and possibly three additional ones um, into 2019. So my view on inflation is we're going to see it pick up, um, partly because the wage was the last piece. When you look at sort of the consumer price index, the underlying gauge of inflation, the housing component has been rising much stronger than, than 3% for quite a while, both in terms of owner's equivalent rent, which is what the government assigns for folks who live in their home but would otherwise pay rent. But as you know, on commercial real estate side, for the apartment rent growth has been quite solid over the last few years. Um, so there have been a lot of upward pressures from housing. Now the uh, wage has simply completed that picture. So we expect to see inflation move up uh, quite a bit in the next um, 18 months. So if you expect another increase in the Fed's rate this year and three more next year, then is your estimate of, of a total increase 100 basis points maybe in the next year? What would be your crystal ball there? Well, considering the fact that the Fed has moved in you know, quarter basis point increments, you know, 25 basis points at a time, roughly, it, granted it's a range what they operate with, but it's been uh, you know, 25 basis point. So yeah, four, um, four increases would, would absolutely correlate with, with a uh, 100 basis point rise in the short term rate. Um, so it, we'll see how that translates obviously to longer term rates because they're not directly tied. However, longer term rates as we've seen tend to follow shorter term um, as we've seen with the mortgage rates, even the 10 the year treasury, which for a lot of investors in commercial real estate is obviously a benchmark of uh, risk-free investment return, even that has moved up and has put a lot of uh, pressure on obviously the spreads between 10 year treasury and cap rates. Yeah, and I want to talk to you about that and talk to you about commercial real estate in particular and some of the sectors and what do you expect moving forward there. We'll take a short break. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. We will be right back. You are listening or watching America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Would you like access to invest in institutional quality commercial real estate with experienced sponsors with small amounts of money? Of course you would. Visit realcrowd.com. Choose between core, core plus, value add, or opportunistic. Visit realcrowd.com. Would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 10% off your first purchase. At checkout, use discount code CREshow. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Are you looking for proven property management and facilities management education? Visit BOMI.org. That's B-O-M-I, Building Owners and Managers Institute International. They are the trusted source for education in the property and facilities industry. Visit BOMI.org. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Promote your business to the U.S. commercial real estate industry. Click advertise at the show website, CREshow.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. 
The excitement is brought to you by BoneMe.org. Check them out for facilities and property management training. It is the best training there is out there. Check them out, BOMI, B-O-M-I.org. Today we're talking about the economy and we're talking about commercial real estate. And we're talking with George Ratu, and he is the Director of Housing and Commercial Research at the National Association of Realtors. And, uh, and, and I like what you guys do here because you kind of segment commercial real estate into kind of two areas, right? The kind of the larger properties that, you know, institutional or, or larger properties, and then some of the smaller properties that, you know, people around America may see and they drive around, right? And 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 some of your reports suggest that really the the majority of commercial real estate buildings really are the smaller buildings, right? You're absolutely right. In fact, when you look at the commercial landscape, um, the majority of buildings are actually smaller. So that's where the, in terms of property transactions, that's where you see the largest number. Uh, however, the large volume transactions, the higher end of the market tends to, uh, to get all the attention generally because that's where the big investors are quite active. So that's why we, we try to take a look at both end of, of ends of the market, both the large cap, uh, you know, and the primary markets, but also the small cap market, especially uh, because we've noticed in this latest cycle since the Great Recession, it's precisely the smaller, what traditionally were called secondary tertiary markets. These are the ones that have seen the strongest growth and, and quite an elevated profile for a lot of investors, not only domestically here in the U.S., but also global investors. Yeah, it's interesting when you bring up the fact about the majority of the buildings being smaller. Your, your uh, research says 72% of buildings in the U.S. are really under 10,000 square feet. And I know as a broker, uh, you know, we like to do the large deals, right? But uh, most of them are the smaller deals. Um, and, 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 and to your point, I, I think we're seeing the same thing where a lot of investors are going to these tertiary markets and secondary markets uh, kind of chasing yield. So if you will, let's talk about the, you know, the large cap first. You know, what do you see for trends there? So in the large cap space, we've had an interesting um, last couple of years. So after the 2010 uh, beginning of recovery, uh, markets saw investment volume grow every quarter year over year until 2016. 2016, we, we had, a little, um, if you remember, the taper tantrum. Um, uh, and so the, the, the market started getting a little bit nervous about interest rates, about the outlook. So for large cap investors, that was the time when um, investment volume started uh, to decline slightly. And they did so for about two years. Uh, 2018, so this year marked the, uh, the momentum shift. So for the first three quarters of this year, uh, investment volume has actually grown and not only grown, but accelerated. So first quarter volume was up uh, 6%, second quarter 8%, and third quarter volume data just came out shows uh, investment sales um, um, advanced by 17% uh, year over year. So when you add $263 billion in, in sales in the first half with another $152 billion in the third quarter alone, we are seeing investment volume on a solid pace. In addition, pricing per square foot has actually advanced due to the mix of properties. But when we look at cap rates, they've been flat, frankly, for about two years. They're bobbing around a little bit around 6.7%, 6.8%. 6 
they've been at this level now for two years. So uh, with interest rates uh, beginning to move up, uh, with the 10-year treasuries beginning to move up, I expect that we're going to see a lot more um, pressure on cap rates. Yeah, and that makes sense. I think that uh, people would think cap rates would level out with interest rates you know, increasing uh, and maybe some thoughts that we're closer to an end of a, a cycle. But what do you think is causing the increase in volume in these larger commercial properties? So what's happening is really <clears throat> a tale of, of basically economics and financial returns. So for one, a lot of investors were a little nervous about the direction of the U.S. economy prior to 2018. If you remember, we had the presidential election. There were a lot of promises made about tax reform. So investors were really sitting on the fence trying to figure out exactly which direction uh, legislation and regulations are going to go. With the tax reform, um, investor confidence obviously, uh, I think, received a lot of boost. So investors felt much stronger. They watched uh, the economic um, expansion continue, U.S. economy actually accelerating. And as you know, for commercial real estate, it all boils down to jobs. If you have jobs, you're likely to have demand. So employment this year has been quite strong. So I think for a lot of investors, that has been a solid signal that investment is, is worthwhile. The other component I'll, I'll point to when I mentioned, you know, sort of financial returns, when you look globally at um, uh, the markets, uh, U.S. diverges slightly from, for example, the European Union in its monetary policy, uh, again, because of economics. So whereas the Federal Reserve has been increasing its uh, interest rate, whereas the 10-year Treasury here in the U.S. has uh, moved, you know, 2.5% roughly, when you look at central banks in Europe, central you know, banks in, for example, Japan, we're seeing interest rates there still hover near zero. And, you know, the government bonds in those countries are, are obviously near the, the zero lower bound, uh, which shows there's still not enough economic strength. So for global investors in particular, commercial real estate in the U.S. and the U.S. market overall uh, provide a much more compelling alternative and the returns obviously bear that out. So I think that a lot of the, the resurgence in investment in the U.S., is, is owed to, as I mentioned, the economic factors as well as the global alternatives. Where are you going to park your money? If you have your choice, you're going to always look for the higher return. And U.S. markets, even you know, as, as we touched upon, the fact that cap rates have been flat, um, are obviously still uh, quite attractive, even at 6.8%. Yeah. And obviously, depending, as you know, depending on the property type, it's not, it can be lower than that you know, if you're looking at apartments in major markets. But in some markets, and we can talk about those, uh, Secondary, tertiary, much smaller markets, cap rates uh, are much higher. They can be, you know, on average, 7.2, 7 7.3, or even higher, depending on the property type. So there's a lot of value still to be had in the market. Yeah, when you talk about the foreign investors looking at uh, the U.S. and the money coming to the U.S., I can almost hear that chant in the background, USA, USA, USA. Um, and, and, and you talk about sectors. So, you know, where do these foreign investors and, and, and U.S. investors uh, are we still favoring uh, multifamily and industrial? You know, what do you see? So in terms of, of uh, obviously, overall volume, it's been a market dominated by office and apartment. Interestingly enough, from a historical standpoint, office properties always attracted most investor interest. In this cycle, however, 
we've seen apartment uh, demand uh, from investors far outpace um, offices. So the apartment office market have been sort of trading places for top investment, uh, you know, target, in part because the demographics of the U.S. have been favoring uh, apartment properties. And when you look at the housing market, which we touched upon a little earlier in the affordability issue, obviously there's a lot of um, argument in favor of apartments, and we've seen them perform quite well. Even with the supply pipeline now um, exceeding the, the demand simply in terms of units, rent growth remains positive, and we expect that to continue um, going forward. Yeah, and you talk about affordability for homes for owner-occupants, but it seems like affordability may start to become an issue with some of these high-rent apartments. And, and, and let's get some perspective, because like you said, there's a lot of talk on our show and in the press you know, about kind of really large-cap properties, and we throw around these, these cap rates of 4, 5, 6, you said, what, the average 6.8 or so. Uh, but you know, the neighborhood, the smaller tertiary markets, they're not seeing those cap rates. So uh, what do you see? You do, you, I know you ask uh, realtors like us uh, around the country about what we're seeing. So, so what's the update there? What's the trend on these smaller properties? So good question, Michael. The small cap uh, space has actually seen a very solid uh, investment interest in this latest cycle. Uh, and we've had a very good uh, last five years. I will say that because uh, what we saw from the data, the small cap space had a uh, lag in its recovery. So whereas the large cap space started its recovery in 2010, for smaller markets, that recovery didn't start until 2013. So with that three-year lag, um, small markets have performed very well. From our realtor uh, data, what we're seeing is investment volume pricing had strong uh, gain over the last five years. And in fact, 2018 uh, marked um, the first time we saw a moderation in that momentum in the first half of the year. So we still saw uh, sales gains, however, at a much slower pace. And the pricing also continued uh, growing but a slightly uh, slower pace. So it's possible that the trends we saw in large cap spaces in, in 2016, uh, namely investors uh, being a little more cautious and disciplined in their uh, valuation approach, is uh, now showing up in the small cap space. However, anecdotally, talking to brokers in, in smaller markets, um, they're saying that the interest from investors across the board is quite strong. Um, and uh, they, in fact, their biggest concern right now in their market is, frankly, a shortage of inventory. So there's simply not enough property for them to move. And it seems that the gap, the pricing gap between buyers and sellers is also becoming a, a, a bigger issue, again, in tandem with the fact that buyers are a lot more disciplined in their approach. And for probably some of the sellers, they, they still expect pricing to continue at the same pace it has for the last five years, which, as we discussed, uh, the pressure from interest rates um, is not likely to continue. So that pricing appreciation will not continue. In fact, we might see over the medium term, uh, you know, prices flatten out and possibly decline in some markets. Okay, but you have have been seeing some price increases, and is that from NOI growth, uh, or is it, is, is it cap rates? Are cap rates compressing on those smaller properties, or are they stable? What are your, what are your people telling you, your agents? 
So in the small cap space, similar to the large cap, we're seeing uh, sort of a flattening of cap rates. Now, mind you, on a quarterly basis, they bounce around a little bit. So there'll be 7.3, 7.2, 7.4. So we're seeing a little bit of volatility, but it's it's mostly been flat. Um, so I think most of the, the pricing at this point comes from the NOI. So I think going forward, for most investors, the, the expectation is that um, you know, they'll make their money on the cash flow, uh, much less on appreciation. And uh, again, that's not surprising. If anything, considering that a lot of investors who have been in the market you know, from 2009, 2010, who, those who had you know, the funds to, to, and the courage to move into the market, have obviously benefited tremendously on both sides, both from appreciation as well as cash flow. I think going forward, we're going to see a lot more expectations simply on, on cash flow growth rather than uh, any appreciation uh, that we've had over the past uh, you know, seven years or so at the large cap. Okay. And on these smaller properties and tertiary markets, uh, George, are there sectors or types of, of properties or investments that uh, your realtors are telling you are, are uh, more sought after? So I would say in smaller markets, apartments are, are very much in uh, strong demand, um, in part because um, there's obviously uh, the underlying driver of that is demographics. So when you look at the U.S. population, in the last decade, the U.S. population has grown by about 8%. But well, that translates to you know 26 to 30 million additional people in the country. Um, in addition, um, when we look at household formation, so the main metric of demand for housing, historically that hovered around 1.5 million. Uh, it's it's right now around 1.1 to 1.2 million. So it's returning to its long-term trends, which tells us that basically demand for housing will continue strongly with uh, homes for purchase. Uh, undergoing tremendous pressure from affordability and the supply constraint, apartments are obviously being uh, very uh, sought after, and that's very much the case in small markets. The other property type that's doing well in small markets is industrial. We've seen a lot of demand for industrial properties from two ends. One obviously is is the uh, the trade angle, and I know that you know currently with with the tariff. Um, situation and you know the trade the dispute we have going on people are, are worried about the volume but trade has been very brisk over the last few years and 2018 so far has been no exception so obviously we're seeing a demand for warehouses intermodal uh, transportation centers but also we have what we now term the Amazon effect which is demand for smaller warehouses you know 50,000 square feet uh, or below for that last mile um, delivery. Uh, so we're seeing that in smaller markets play an important role for, uh, for investors. Yeah. Well, George, this is great information. And I know you have the NAR conference coming up. So as a, as a brief preview, uh, why should commercial real estate people uh, come to the event and what might we get out of it? Absolutely. So for one, the, the conference is going to be in Boston uh, for the first time in, I think, over 80 years. And Boston is, is a great time of the year. And, you know, even if you're not necessarily a Red Sox fan, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, it could be a very exciting town over the next uh, you know, few weeks. But that notwithstanding, we, um, we are expecting a large turnout. And um, a lot of uh, the conference proceedings focus on commercial real estate. We have a commercial real estate forum. Uh, which will uh, delve more deeply into the uh, economy side as well as uh, commercial investment uh, trends. Um, we also have several commercial um, 
meetings and um, uh, networking opportunities for uh, brokers, agents, property managers. Um, so I think that it will be a, a, a great opportunity to meet and greet brokers from across the country. And not only that, but internationally. Generally uh, speaking, the audience from uh, other countries to the U.S. Uh, convention of the National Association of Realtors has been increasing over the years. So we've had very strong showing from both Central South America as well as Europe and uh, Asian countries. A lot of uh, investors and, and brokers coming to the audience. So I think it will be a, a wonderful event for folks who can make it to Boston to to come and uh, network and um, get the latest information and on then, the smaller markets. And non-investors can come, just invest, people that are investors, non-realtors, they can, they can still attend? Absolutely. So the, the conference is obviously open. Uh, registration is available for uh, folks and uh, as you know, commercial real estate is is obviously a very diverse uh, uh, industry. So we have property managers, um, we have folks who do appraisals, valuation. So in that regard, is is a great venue to to meet the entire breadth of the industry in one place. Yeah, it certainly is, and I'll be there speaking on the top ten success strategies for commercial agents. So I'll be speaking, and the room gets really packed when I've done that uh, each year. So. I'll be there. And uh, George, great information. Thank you very much for uh, joining us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in Boston. Certainly, Michael. Always a pleasure chatting with you. And I certainly look forward to see you. All right. Thank you. And we'll put a link to the actual report uh, on our show website. Uh, so uh, check that out. We'll also put a link to the NAR conference and some of the things that you can do on the, on the commercial side there. So uh, be sure and check it out. And thank you for watching or listening. Thank you for sharing the show. Uh, we sure appreciate hearing from you and your comments and sharing the show with your network. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions, BOMI.org, Property and Facility Management Education, Real Crowd, Crowdfunding with Professionals, The News Funnel, Real Estate News Personalized, CommercialAgentSuccess.com, Video Training from Michael Bull. To access these great companies or for more videos, podcasts, and articles, visit CREshow.com.